Hey, CityCast listener. Today, we're starting with election news. Winners, losers, and the big voting mess in Harris County. Plus, how do Harris County Republicans aim to attract young voters? It's Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right, let's start off our election update with what we know for sure. In the race for Texas governor, Greg Abbott beat Beto O'Rourke soundly. And in fact, Republicans won all the statewide offices on the ballots. For y'all keeping score at home, it has been 28 years since a Democrat held any statewide office in Texas. Here in Harris County, things are a lot more uncertain. Voting yesterday was a hot mess. Some of the polling places opened more than an hour late. Some had to be shut down a while because of problems. There were voting machines that didn't work. And at least a dozen polling sites ran out of the paper that they needed to print out the voters' ballots. Because of this, voting rights groups asked for the polls to stay open an extra hour, until 8 p.m., so that people who had been turned away could have a chance to vote after work. Harris County did that once before after glitches in 2018. And a district judge approved the idea for this year. But then, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton asked the Texas Supreme Court to reverse the lower court's order. And now, it's not clear whether those ballots cast after 7 p.m. are going to be counted. This could make a difference in the Harris County elections. As of 5 a.m., Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo held a razor-thin lead over Republican Alexandra Del Moral Mueller, with more than 100 of the voting centers not yet reporting results and the fate of those late ballots still uncertain. In the two races for uh, other Harris County seats, the Democrats were ahead. But again, that's with a lot of the voting centers not yet reporting and also with the fate of those late ballots unknown. So, buckle up, y'all. Today is going to be a day. Now, let's see what producer AKL Moomin has for us. Thank you, Lisa. As election results are still rolling in, we sat down with Raphael Struvi and Elliot Carter, two members of the Houston Young Republicans, to talk about their push for young people of color to consider the Republican Party and how their own experience has informed their beliefs. Hi, Raphael. Hi, Elliot. How are y'all? Thank y'all so much for being a part of our podcast. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Elliot, I wanted to know, like, what is like your background? Like, where, where do you come from? How did you grow up? For sure. So I'm not a native to Houston. I'm actually from a small town called Port Isabel, Texas. I uh, grew up with my, with my uh, immigrant grandparents as well as my uh, mom and dad. Growing up in a small town like that with a high school class of only 130 people, you would more than likely think politics was never really alive. It wasn't really a part of my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, my, my grandpa was a Democratic judge for about 30 years. My uncle was the Democratic mayor of our town, as well as uh, my mom being on school board and whatnot. So growing up, uh, the Democrat Party was always a big part of my life. Going... Um, to college, coming to Houston, as well as taking some time to read myself, uh, I realized that my parents as well realized that we're that you know we're not Democrat, and the conservative values of the Republican Party is more 
of where we lean. Coming up to Houston, I never really was involved in politics up until about a year-ish ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, basically, what happened was I ran for student government over here at U of H, uh, University of Houston. That's where I go to college. Mm -hmm. And never, never really thought about it in a political sense, but it became hyper-political. Um, I had to watch everything I had to say. I was targeted for not being um, a li liberal running for student government. And that really rubbed me off the wrong way. So going forth, coming back to my hometown for summer, I ended up interning for now Congresswoman uh, Myra Flores. And this was the summer of 2021. Wow. In doing so, I really learned about how the dynamics of of you know political parties worked and the dynamics of values, how conservatism and not just how I viewed it in the, in the Hispanic community, but throughout South Texas, how they viewed conservatism. And taking that, I was able to come back to Houston next semester, started off a small college Republican club, grew it to about 80 members. And uh, currently now I'm vice chairman for the state of Texas for college Republicans. Um, as well as I uh, do chief of staff for the student government over here at University of Houston. That is incredible. That is incredible. And I guess I want to extend the same question to you, Rafael. What is your story? How did you come to the position you were in? Sure. So my story is a little bit different, although there are some common themes that I can resonate with uh, in terms of what Elliot just went off of. I myself am from Houston, Texas. Um, both of my parents are originally from Venezuela. Both of them are from Maracaibo, the city of Maracaibo to be exact. Uh, I was born and raised here in Houston. Very, very proud Houstonian. Um, I'm also proud that we are the most ethnically diverse city in the country and we are home to the second largest Venezuelan community in the United States after Miami. A lot of people don't know this. So if you are from Katy, Texas, there is a good chance that you know all about that because there are so many Venezuelans that live in Katy that now it is known today colloquially as Katy Suela. Yeah. So as far as my story with respect to political involvement, um, I'm sort of a latecomer in this game, if you will. Uh, my background academically is in political science and in international relations. Uh, I have more of a focus on just global affairs, if you will. Uh, I never really paid that much attention to local politics until this year or last year, I should say. Um, and in fact, I was so deep into my studies of global affairs that I ended up also getting a master's from uh, Rice University from the Global Affairs Program. Congratulations. Thank you. Kind of like Elliot, um, my story is not one of being a, uh, a cradle Republican, so to speak. Actually, mm -hmm. funny enough, I have a, an application on my phone called Time Hop that kind of gives you reminders of things that you posted on your social media one year ago, all the way up back to 15 years ago. And as of 15 years ago, I was stumping heavily for former President Barack Obama. <laughs> so to see sort of, I guess, a, uh, I wouldn't even call it a 180 because oh. a lot of the values that I had before have not necessarily changed. Um, it's more perhaps the, um, the ends that I felt and feel cater to my principles. Um, and so in 2016, for example, I abstained from voting just because I didn't feel like there was a candidate that represented me. Uh, I ended up voting for former President Trump in 2020. And when things didn't go our way, if you will, um, I was a little bit disparaged because I started to realize that there was this growing movement of, um, of Hispanics that were starting to swing. Mm -hmm. 
um, and really bucking this trend of demographics being destiny, right? And I started to identify more with the Republican Party. And so I felt a little discouraged because of the fact that we were coming off a very, very contentious election year. And I figured, you know what, this is it. But what really inspired me to get more involved on a local level and realize that you need to be the change that you need to see in this world is when I saw the mayor of McAllen, Texas, Javier Villalobos, win a, a, surpri- a surprise and astounding uh, mayor's race. Now, McAllen, Texas, for those of you who don't know, is an overwhelmingly Hispanic um, city, or at least the the population is overwhelmingly Hispanic. I think uh, as far as percentages go, it's about 85% Hispanic and the county that it that it sits in is over 90%. So for them to vote a Republican mayor bucks this trend that A, Hispanics are a monolith, and that B, we are predestined to vote in one particular direction. And so that got me inspired. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting involved with the Houston Young Republicans and fast forward today, and now I serve as their communications director. I want to go back to an earlier point by Elliot, in which he talked about running for a leadership position at the university. There is this notion that young people generally uh, lean very uh, liberal. Um, A lot of research even shows that a lot of young people have a tendency to be more liberal. So I was wondering, Elliot, how is that experience on campus for you? Well, I believe that there are a lot of, I like to call them closeted conservatives at universities. And continuously you're told by professors, you're continuously told by your, your most outspoken peers who do tend to be liberal, that this is the way to think, this is the way to believe. If you don't believe that, you're ostracized, you're called racist, homophobic, transphobic, you're called every, every name in the book to try to degrade your opinions. And in a college campus, in a college society, you're away from home, you don't have a support system. And if you're told by people that you thought were your friends or by society that you're the most terrible person in the world for believing this, then eventually you're either going to be quiet about your views or force yourself to change them. Well, I would say that most young people do tend to lean more on the liberal side. I 100% would agree with that notion. But when it comes to more of the economic scale, I think more young people are actually probably more conservative, more capitalistic than, than they tend to believe. And do you think that like your community has been more supportive of your decision over time to find those causes that speak more to you? So my hometown is uh, definitely still more on the on the democratic side but my friends and uh my colleagues back at home family as well we all see how the democrat party has basically left the hispanic community the hispanic community culturally especially where i where i come from which is 95 percent hispanic uh, mainly uh mexican origin we believe in in god family and country mm-hmm. And we personally believe the Democrat Party has has left those values. You know, when it comes to, you know, most a lot of people are, are pro-life. A lot of people believe that, you know, hard work will get you through the toughest times and that I don't need somebody to come and bail me out to live my life. There's a sense of pride in, in hard work and a sense of pride of, you know, 
taking care of your mom whenever they get super old and then sending your kid off to college so that hopefully they become better than you. Yeah. That's essentially the American dream. And I believe that Hispanics still believe in them. Hispanics, especially now where I'm from, believe in the American dreams. Raphael, I do wonder, with a lot of research and a lot of um, output out there that shows that like a lot of younger people support LGBT causes, uh, specific social issues that can be uh, that can be considered liberal in a sense. Do you see that in your work with uh, the young Republicans of Houston? Do you see a lot more of a shift, or do you see that there is a contingent that's available there that is similar to Elliot's story? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, we can actually just go ahead and use uh, an immediate case study with what you mentioned with the LGBT community. Um, the Houston Young Republicans actually shares a close working relationship with the Log Cabin Republicans, uh, the chapter here in Houston, and they are a. Um, they're, they're a chapter of conservatives that happen to identify as members of the LGBT community. I think the problem, though, is that, uh, mm-hmm. like we mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, right, uh, living in Houston, Texas is great because what makes us different from other cities, like, say, Chicago or New York, is we are, I would say, a real melting pot. And so I would argue that we, I, we are able to achieve a greater sense of co- social cohesion um, as opposed to these other bigger cities where people want to self-segregate. The problem is that when you talk about being Hispanic, when you talk about being LGBTQ, when you talk about being this or that, mm-hmm. it's lending itself to this really disturbing trend where you're starting to see data, facts, uh, the ability to reason with one another, com- conversing with, with one another. Th- these are sacrificed for a sort of identity-based ideology. And it's the kind that wants to group all of us by these sort of categories and assume that they should be the number one factor in absolutely everything before we decide anything else. I mean, we even saw it yesterday in the, um, what was it, in in the, the Houston Astros parade, right, where somebody went out of their way to throw a beer can at Senator Ted Cruz. Now, I understand that people have gripes with him, but... I don't think that's conducive to the sort of conversations that we could really have to find common ground. Um, to get to your question, I know that that was sort of a, a ramble from your original question, but I think that's why we're starting to see people. And I think we're going to start seeing people in this particular election cycle um, reconsider their vote because they have been given messages that maybe don't necessarily conform with reality. As yesterday was election day, uh, I wonder uh, what are the things that you believe people should be taking into consideration as y'all are kind of the front line for this younger generation, this newer generation of Republicans to take into mind when they are thinking of Republican voters in general? How do I put this? If, if analysts, whether they be from legacy media or from political pundits or from armchair experts on social media like uh, the Twitters of the world, if they come to the conclusion that people are t- shifting uh, to the right because they identify with being threats to democracy or other sorts of pejoratives that unfortunately we have had to uh, to tolerate, then I don't think there's ever going to be a true understanding of why voters are voting the way that they are. And the fact of the matter is that when you just sit down, you look at the data, 
this is even before talking to folks, right? If you just look at the data itself and you see what the top priorities are for, for, uh, for your average everyday American, they're the economy, inflation, public safety, public safety, which by the way, should never be a partisan issue. This is a community issue. And this is why you're seeing at least here in Harris County, um, a surging in support for Alex Mueller, as opposed to Lena Hidalgo for, for those younger folks, um, Stand up for yourself, stand up for uh, for what's right. And it's going to be tough. But if you're young and you're looking to get into this uh, into this movement, just remember that it's the ground game that counts. It's not the critic who counts. If you're listening, listen to that speech, The Man in the Arena by Teddy Roosevelt, because those are words to live by. Um and it is basically sort of, I guess, an old school interpretation of what we understand to say, be the change that you want to see. I genuinely appreciate y'all for coming on and talking with us. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. That was Rafael Struvi and Elliot Carter of Houston Young Republicans. That's it for our show today. We will continue our election coverage tomorrow with Evan Mintz to break down the aftermath of some of the results. Catch you later. Bye, y'all. Oh, with like 88 takes, AK. Perfection comes slowly.